Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome into episode three of Laker Sports Talk, a weekly production of Laker Country 1049 WJRS, right here in beautiful Russell County, Kentucky. I'm your host, Zach Oaks, the news director here at Laker Country. We're moving out of summer and into fall, and I, for one, am excited for the change in the season. It feels like fall sports are out there now. We have another full show for you today, and I'm excited for you all to hear from our guests today. Russell County Middle School girls basketball coach and high school assistant Reagan Helm will join me to talk about the middle school basketball season and how she got into coaching. Lady Laker basketball fans will really like this interview as Reagan really raves about this group of girls and their talent. Bryce Bailey will also join me to talk about his first year as the head coach of the Russell County Middle School football program. Bryce is a Laker football alum and has a passion for coaching and he gives some great insight into what it's like to coach at the middle school level. Sean Hammond will also join me for our weekly college sports segment to talk about that closer-than-expected Kentucky vs. Chattanooga game on Saturday, Kentucky vs. South Carolina this weekend, Louisville's thrilling win over UCF, and can Western Kentucky upset Indiana on Saturday? We share our thoughts on all the latest in college football in the bluegrass. And we also will name our weekly Laker Sports Talk Athlete of the Week. But first, it's time for shout-outs. Our first shout-out is pretty obvious, and it has to go to the Lady Laker golf team for winning the 2A state tournament in Owensboro. Russell County is home to a state champion golf team and the team of Mackenzie Troutman, Brianna Troutman, Madeline Wright, Emily Coe, and Carlene Myers deserve a big shout-out for their performance in Owensboro. The team shot a score of 346 to bring home the championship. Congratulations to Lady Laker golf. Second, a shout-out to the girls' soccer team for winning a big district matchup with Clinton County. The Lady Lakers finished with a 6-0 victory, and junior Abigail Money came up big, scoring five of the six goals. That was a big standout performance in a rivalry game, so congratulations to Abigail and the Lady Lakers soccer team. Third, a shout-out to the Lady Laker volleyball team. They were hit with COVID cancellations last week, but bounced back with a win over Glasgow on Tuesday, and they'll take on Cumberland County in district play on Thursday at home. Come out and support the Lady Lakers in a big district matchup. Finally, Laker golfer Bentley Perkison finished in the top 10 at the 2A state tournament. In a strong tournament field, a top 10 finish is quite the accomplishment, so congratulations to Bentley. That's all for the shout-outs, so it's time to hear from Reagan and Bryce. Let's get after it. All right, and now I'm happy to be joined by Reagan Helm, head coach of the uh, Russell County Middle School girls basketball team and also an assistant uh, for the high school Lady Lakers program. Reagan, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Zach. Um, So the middle school got off to a pretty good start this season. Uh, Just talk a little bit about uh, what it's been like uh, for your middle school girls this season. Well, we've had COVID on and off, as you know, so we've been battling. You never know who you're going to have from night to night. But so far, we all three teams have a winning record. Uh, our eighth grade is 6-2. and two. Uh, Seventh grade is undefeated with a margin of victory of 30 points every game. So I wanted to point that out and, you know, kind of shout them out. And our sixth grade is 4-1, and one, and they have won on four buzzer beaters. I know, you know, um, you, you keep me updated with these scores, and I see some of these scores, and I'm like, goodness gracious, like, uh, what was it last night over Clinton County, 8th grade, won 37-4, to four, and it's it, it doesn't even look like a basketball score. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I tell the girls all the time, which we've graduated together, yeah. uh, they make me feel like I did when I played. Like, those those girls are the closest things that I've coached so far to being like Leanne Grider and, and players like that. Yeah, and that was, of course, uh, when we were coming through high school, that was a great group. That was a great team uh, that you all had, uh, just a lot of talent up and down the roster. Yeah. Uh, And it seems like these girls, it seems like 
you know, you've got kind of the same thing going on, just talent up and down the roster. Yeah, especially on our eighth grade team. Well, seventh grade too, but you got your eighth graders, and then you got that seventh grade group that's destroying teams, and then, you know, bringing them back on to the eighth grade roster, there's no letdown. You know, you sub one in, you're still just as good as you were when you when you started the game. Yeah, um, let's talk about your eighth graders for a second. Uh, you just had eighth grade night. Um, seems like you have a pretty a, a pretty a pretty large group of eighth graders and also a group that's really talented. Yeah, uh, we've got seventh eighth graders. Uh, two of them played varsity last year, so that always always helps. But um, yeah, we got seventh. They're really they're really competitive and they compete against that seventh grade group, and it's like. Day in and day out, they they put the work in, and and you can tell. I was talking to some parents last night, right before eighth grade night, just the progress that they've made, and it's on them for putting the work in. Since sixth grade, it's been unreal. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's really amazing that you have eighth graders that are, uh, you know, getting some varsity minutes or even playing a lot, playing some JV minutes. I mean, that's that's got to bode well, definitely moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Coach Brett, we, we stayed present, but we were also looking at the future uh, the other night. We were talking, and the future is very bright for, for Lady Laker basketball, and we're both very excited. Uh, so, I mean, you had a lot of success to start off the season, um, postseason. Tell me a little bit about how, about how that works, uh, when, when that's coming up, and uh, what that's going to look like. Well, hopefully, we got 10 games left of the regular season, so hopefully we'll play all 10 of those, fingers crossed, and then our conference schedule starts in October. We play our first round, and hopefully we'll get the host because we should be a top seed, um, and then the semifinals and the finals. Uh, and then this year, fingers crossed, last year they canceled it. We do, we we're going to go to the state tournament in Lexington with the 8th and 7th grade, and those will be two weekends back-to-back in October. So uh, it sounds like, you know, these next few weeks in September and then going into the early part of October, it's going to be a busy few weeks for the middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Conference starts the 14th, and that same weekend it starts, you've got the first round of state tournament. So it's postseasons are both together, and I'm excited. Hoping we get to play it. Well, uh, Ray, let's talk about, um, you know, you mentioned it earlier about, uh, about your playing days. I mean, uh, you know, you played from, what, 2010 to 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, just talk a little bit about uh, your experience playing, uh, you know, playing for the Lady Lakers. And then, uh, you know, how, what kind of role did that play to get you wanting to do coaching? Uh, I don't know. I always credit sports to being kind of like a lifesaver. It was my, it was my therapy growing up and uh, in high school especially. And I was just super blessed to play with a group that started so young together and you know the friendships we formed there were you know second to none I still talk to them all the time and when I graduated it was kind of what am I going to do now like I had no I felt like I had no purpose I went down that path and then I got asked to coach a youth league team and I was like yeah sure I'm not doing anything besides going to school and then um then one night coach Pippen calls and like hey you're 21 now you want to be on staff and I was like, yeah, whatever role. I don't even care if I get paid. And, and it just kind of led to there. And, and I'm very thankful for Coach Pippen. You know, he obviously was my coach from seventh grade on. And then getting to coach with him, I got to see both sides of the spectrum. And that was, you know, you, you as a player, you think you know. But until you're there, you don't know. And then, obviously, I'm thankful for Brett letting me keep, keep on 
you know, with the girls and helping coach when he got the job. And uh, talk a little bit about your uh, relationship with uh, Coach Blankenship. It, it seems like it seems like uh, just just my observation. It seems like you all mesh really well together. Yeah, yeah. I consider him one of my one of my closest friends. We talk all the time. Uh, I tell him he probably talks to sometimes me more than he does Molly. I feel like <laughs> we we takes back and forth all day, and and you know we're just shooting things off to each other, but. Um, he's a really great guy. He's very knowledgeable about the game. And I, and I told him after year one, I said, I've learned more this year than I ever have. And I'm very appreciative of him and everything and, and letting me, you know, trusting me to coach the middle school team. Cause you know, it's, it's a job, you know, that sometimes gets overlooked, but it, that's your future. And you've got to have somebody in there that knows fundamentals and Brett's very good about, coming in helping me and he's very involved at the middle school and we try to mimic what we do at the middle school to what we're doing at the high school so there's no having to learn no do-overs well and you know i mean you look at you look at all the programs that have success at the high school level it, it starts in well it starts even before middle school yeah. but you definitely have to have that uh yeah. you have to have that uh, discipline and that um you know that continuity yeah. at the middle school level too of just you know knowing that you've got to have, you need to have these set of skills before you even think about yeah. playing high school. So I mean, it, I mean, getting getting these girls started young is yeah. is really important to building success at the high school level too. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about. We're seeing with the seventh grade. You know, they started probably when they're in the second, third grade with uh, Coach Carpenter, and you just the teams that have always been good, they've started at such a young age, but. Back one thing about Coach Blankenship, he is super involved, and I don't think people realize how involved he is. Like he don't just go from October to February or March and he's done. We're he's a twenty four seven, three sixty five, and I just wanted to shout him out and just you know. Well, I I went. I guess it was over in the early spring. Um, I went by the youth league championships, yeah. and uh, you know, of course, uh, a lot of the younger girls were there, but. Also, but I mean, Brett was there too, and he was presenting trophies and stuff yeah. like that. So I thought that's really cool of him, you know, going ahead and kind of being involved and, uh, you know, being a familiar face yeah. even at that level. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one thing, uh, one thing I was thinking about here, and I, I had to look it up just to make sure. I believe all four years uh, that you're in high school, I believe district champions all yeah. four years. Right? All people four don't, years. people don't realize the level of success that you all had as a group. Yeah. Um, and Laker Athletics as a whole. I'll tell everybody that was one of the best groups. <laughs> I'll probably get in trouble for saying that, but th- every sport was solid. But, but I'm going I'm to stand behind you on that because I completely agree. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at you look at football, especially in uh, 2011 and 2012. Yeah. Um, undefeated season. Yes, undefeated season. Um, you know, just demolish teams yeah. on the football field and vo- volleyball had success um you look at boys and girls basketball you know talking about four straight district championships there uh, yeah that t- that time especially was a it was a great time for laker athletics but i i don't think especially you all and uh, coach pippen i mean during that time girls basketball was uh, i mean 16th district went through russell county yeah um, I, I just need, I needed to shout you all out for that because, <laughs> because I, don't, I don't think people realize how, no. how successful that time period was. Um, 
One thing I thought I think is kind of interesting about middle school is it, it the middle school season is in a is a whole different season than the high school. You have middle school in the fall, and then you have high school in the winter. What kind of difference is? What's the difference like that for the program? Well, for us, it's everything because um, some of the like Bowling Green schools they still play theirs in the uh, winter with the and they overlap with like us. We don't have enough players. So we pull so many middle school girls up for freshman JV and some for varsity that if if they overlapped, it would be it would almost I'm not, I'm not I'm trying to find the word here, but like we couldn't do it. I mean, it would take away from the middle school program, it take away from the high school program. Uh, it would cut the girls short. I feel like so. I mean, because look, when we played, we had five or six they pulled up, and then like this year we'll pull. Six or seven. I mean, it's un- well, and for your for your middle school girls that also play varsity, I mean, it makes for a, it makes for kind of a long season for them because they'll jump right from the fall into yeah. uh, high school in the winter. So they're playing JV, and some of them are playing varsity. It just makes for a kind of Very, a continued yeah. season there. Um, talk about some of the girls um, that you have. Uh, just some, if you've got any girls that you know particularly stood out this year, anybody who's you know made really big improvements or who's. Um, Who's really shown out this year, if there's any any in particular? Well, I mean, like, it's hard to just shout some of them out because, I mean, 7th and 8th grade from top to bottom is just solid. Um, like last night, obviously you mentioned the Clinton County game. We won 30, by 34 or something. Or yeah, 30, 37 30, to 4. Yeah, so, yeah. And uh, we started the 8th graders, and then the 7th graders came in, and there was no letdown. Um, so, I mean – You've got Anaya Coffee who plays varsity. Um, will probably play a lot of varsity minutes this year. She's been in quarantine for a month, so we just got her back last night. Um, you know, Natalie Rowan McGowns really stood out to me this year. She is a workhorse, and she doesn't get enough credit because people who don't score a lot, which she scores, but she does all the dirty work. And I just want to shout her out because you've got, she, to, you've got to have those players yeah, on your team. And and people don't realize how valuable they are yeah. until they're in foul trouble or they're yeah. quarantined. But all my eighth graders, I want to shout them out for for just putting in the work day in and day out. And it you know being a COVID year again, it's hard to come in and not know if you're going to play another game or if you're going to get shut down or you know all that or who we're going to have. Um, so and then seventh grade wise. I mean, you got uh, Kerrigan Carpenter, you know, Camden Cooper, Kenna, um, Malinroy, you know, that group. Uh, especially Addie Averill, she's a sixth grader that's not playing sixth grade. She's uh, a level ahead, and she she actually starts on the eighth grade team. Okay. So um, she, she, she reminds me a lot of Leanne, which I know we're going back to when we play, but we can relate to that. Um, she is – she's a point guard that's quick, can defend, can – thread the needle she's got all all the mechanics now um i you know i were uh, reading off some of those names and i noticed a lot of those were um also girls who played on the 12u softball team so yeah. um I, yeah, I think it's kind of cool that a lot of your girls are also uh, played multiple sports yeah i've got at least i think the majority of our roster plays two if not three sports which i wholeheartedly agree with that i believe in playing multiple sports um and i was they, when they were going to the state, they were like, if we win this, I'll, we'll miss the first month of the season. And I was like, that's fine. Go out and win. Go to the World Series. Come on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they play, and, and we just 
we, we work together as coaches from like the softball and volleyball and try to make it work so they don't have to choose at such a young age especially well I think it's also kind of cool because a lot of those girls are also they're they're playing the same sports too so it just kind of it also increases that camaraderie between them yeah their chemistry they're they're all best friends especially that seventh grade group I mean they are they are thick as thieves I mean they are and and it's because they're together all the time yeah I think that's I think that's pretty cool and, and I mean especially uh, you know, having that having great chemistry off the court leads to great chemistry on the court too, yeah. and that that can make all the difference. Yeah. Uh, Reagan, we're going to wrap this up here. Um, anything else uh, you have for us? No, uh, no. I think we we hit it about all. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Reagan, for uh, joining us for this segment, and uh, best of luck to the middle school Lady Lakers as uh, they finish out their season and get ready for the postseason next month. All right. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> All right, now I'm happy to be joined by Russell County Middle School football coach Bryce Bailey. Bryce, how are you doing today? I'm good, Zach. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, wanted to bring you in to talk a little bit about uh, middle school football. I know it's uh, been a weird year, been a COVID year, but uh, and you're a first-year coach. Yes, so, sir. So let, just tell me a little bit about uh, how middle school football's been going this season. Well, you know, we've, uh, we've had a really good year so far. We've got a big group of eighth graders. We had our eighth grade night last night, and really they, they're they a great bunch of kids, both seventh grade and eighth grade. We've got a great group. Last, of course, the past couple years, I've been assistant under Coach Ellis, and we've had a lot of success. And just So when you have a lot of success like we have had over the past few years, even as an assistant, you, uh, you really lean on the eighth grade class. And we've got a lot of kids that maybe didn't get as much playing time because we had large classes in front of them. So we've got a great group. They're ready to work every single day, and they're just a young, inexperienced group. But we're, we're getting that as we go, and, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, that's, um, you know, that's really important. I mean, because being able, sometimes the best experience you can get is just being thrown into the fire and, right. and getting on the field and learn from your mistakes on the field. And sometimes that can... That's as good as any. That's as good as any experience you can have. Right. Um, talk a little bit about uh, being an assistant under uh, Coach Ellis. Uh, just what you learned. What you learned from him. You know, I've been blessed. Coach Ellis has been around Russell County Athletics for an extremely long time, and uh, just I was in school with one of his sons, and just he's always been there. And to be able to come up underneath and learn a lot from him over the years, just see how he runs a program every day and, and the little things that you really don't realize when you think, oh, I want to be a coach. Just seeing how to do the little things the right way. I preach all the time to the kids about when playing the game, doing the little things the right way. And really that's, I've learned that watching guys like Coach Ellis and, and Coach Richardson too and, and Coach Sharp and a bunch of guys I had the chance to grow up playing under and they'll coach under yeah um you know you're a laker football alum talk a little bit about your uh playing days and what and how that kind of led you to coaching well i played for four years in high school and uh i graduated in 09 so that would have been the football class of 08 and that was coach sharp's first four years and you know i just i always loved the game and Coach Richardson was actually our middle school head coach. And when Coach Sharp got the head job, he became Coach Richardson, was the moved to the defense coordinator of the high school. And I just, I always fell in love with it. At one point, I saw it as an avenue to go to college. 
and luckily I was blessed to also receive another scholarship. So I didn't, I didn't go that route. But when I got out of college, I had an opportunity to start coaching under Coach Sharp, and I just it has led me to this part right here. Yeah, you've uh, well, you've been around the high school program a lot since uh, it's a lot since graduating before you uh, before you took over as coach in the middle school. Um, just talk about like what some of your responsibilities, what you kind of did with the high school program. Well, I graduated college in December of thirteen, and that fall, I believe Blake Ellis and them were seniors. That was my first year. On, I had classes Monday through Thursday and came home on Thursday night. And so I was around the team on Thursday evening and then on Fridays, game days. And I helped break down the film and do stuff like that. Uh, the next year was when Coach Sharp got sick and we were a little bit short-staffed. And, and I helped Coach Freshman JV and broke down defensive film for Coach John Halleck at the time. He's at Jackson County now. And uh, just, man, I've had a – it's been a blessing to be around so many – strong Christian men around the sport that I love and has molded me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I imagine it was, I imagine just being around all, you know, through all those years, it kind of helped, it kind of helped you learn what, what you needed to do to be able to be a coach. Yes, sir. As a player and as a coach assistant under so many of those guys, I've learned a lot of things that I want wanted to do if I ever got this opportunity and a lot of things that I knew I didn't want to do. You know, it's, it's with any experience in life. You, right. you take what you want, you make it your own. Uh, and being a middle school assistant under uh, Keith Ellis, of course, uh, Keith, you know, decided to step away from uh, coaching the middle school team. Did you know Did you know before that that you wanted to coach the middle school team or, or was that just kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing? Well, me and Coach Ellis – about 2014 or 15, we coached freshmen together. And that next year, he took the head middle school job and asked me to come with him and be O-line, D-line coach. So I I was I hopped at that opportunity to do that and just kind of loved that age group. You know, the freshman JV and then 7th grade, 8th grade. Just that age group is uh, really a blessing because you see so much development from one year to the next. Yeah, Um you know, a lot of times, you know, the middle school kids that get a bad rap. Right. Um, just tell us a little bit about what, uh, you know, what what entices you, what, uh, you know, what motivates you every day to coach a group that a lot of times gets a, a bad reputation. Right. Well, you know, Zach, I, I'm blessed because they are, they are so young. You got 11 through, 11 or 12 through 13 or 14 year old kids that they're still trying to figure it all out. You know, some days... They may have a, a donut for breakfast and have a great day, and the next day some of them may not have anything for breakfast, and it just snowballs. So just to be able to be around kids that age and to help develop those kids into young men, because that, really that's what football's about. You, went to, you want to win football games, but at the end of the day, you're there to develop kids into young men. Yeah, I mean, that age group there is so critical. There's so much personal formation that happens in those years. Right. Um, and, and especially when you're talking about boys that age. Um, you know, sadly, there's a lot of them that don't have solid uh, male role models. Right. Um, do you feel like that's a responsibility for you as a coach to also kind of be a role model to the kids? Yeah, absolutely. In a sense, I'm not looking to replace a father right. at all. Right. But, but a role model... As a coach, I looked up, I had a wonderful dad and grandpa, and I still looked up to my coaches from 
middle school, youth league even, all the way on up through high school. So absolutely, it's uh, it's really when you take on the coaching job, you look forward to doing something like that. Yeah. Um, so what's what's been, uh, you know, you're in your first year of coaching, what's been some of the highs and what's been some of the things that you found that have been uh, kind of a struggle? Well, coming off of, course we had the first game of the year at home last night and it was so we made it eighth grade night because I guess the low of the season so far our first game of the year we went to Campbellsville and I believe Coach Ellis talked on the the Casey County broadcast the other night about the Campbellsville game just a little bit you know they uh, they were able to retain most of their kids under the the COVID law and I mean here we, we didn't do that, which is fine. I love that group of kids that went on to freshmen. If I had the opportunity, I would have probably gone on to freshmen too. And I love this group, eighth graders and seventh graders we've got this year. But after that game, on the bus ride home, I'm, we got we lost two uh, basically two weeks from our season because of the bus ride home. You know, there's been a lot of highs and lows this season already. It's a young season. Uh, we started off a little bit rough. I talked earlier about the inexperience that we had coming into this year. We've, we've got a really good 8th grade and 7th grade group. The 8th grade group is about 23 or 4 strong. Uh, you know, we I went into our first scrimmage and we had a lot of athletes, a lot of speed. I thought, okay, we're going to do really good. And within the first three plays, I had three to five plays, I had a couple kids get hurt. And that just... Anytime you have an injury in football, that just is adversity. But we, we've been able to battle back as a team. And just I love the fight that this group has. No matter what day it is, I love leaving work and going to practice with this group because they get better every single day and they make it a whole lot of fun. I can, we can see the improvement as coaching staff daily. Um, so is this something, you know, as coaching middle school, you see this uh, something you want to do for a while or – uh, what do you, do you have higher aspirations? What do you want to do? <laughs> you know, I never thought I would be the head coach, at, especially at the middle school level. I absolutely love it. And as long as uh, Mr. Ackerman and, and Coach Ellis and the administration will have me, I, I'd like to continue to do this. Yes, sir. It's a blessing. All right. That's going to be it. We're going to wrap up there. Uh, thanks again, Bryce, for uh, joining us on the show. Zach, thanks for having me. We've been through a lot, now we're headed to the top, and it's only getting better, just watch, because we got that defense, 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 yeah. All right, and we're back with the third installment of our college sports segment. Sean Hammond's joining me now. Sean, how are you? Doing good, Zach. Great to be back on the program. How are you? I am doing great. Thanks for joining us on the program today. Good to be here. Uh, so, we're, so we are starting off our uh, college sports segment, Sean, uh, Kentucky-Chattanooga. What an entertaining game, Zach. Um, what was the final score, 28-16? to uh, 16? Yeah, that was a uh, That game just beautiful. was absolutely terrible. I, when I, this was my week to go, so my wife and I got there. We're going to our seats, and one of the blue coats asked me, he's like, what do you think? I said, well, I think 55 to nothing. And that game was that game was just disgusting. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. Nobody looked good. Nobody. I think I think you're off by a few points. 28 to 23 <laughs> was the final and 55 to nothing. That's a little bit off from that. Forgot about the the late touchdown by Chattanooga. Yeah, it was a little wasn't the 55 to nothing, but that was awful. 
I mean, there's no other way to put it, Zach. That game was awful. Yeah, I, I don't put in, I don't put a lot of stock into that, honestly. Oh no, no, I don't think that's what this team is. Just it was just one bad performance. Yeah, I think I think when you look at when you look at the season so far, you've had three games. I think you can, Kentucky's had two really good performances. Um, I think they played really well against UL Monroe. Played really well against Missouri. I thought, and then they had a, you know one clunker. And I think I think last Saturday's game was just an anomaly. It's obvious what I, I mean. I think it's pretty clear that noon kickoff 11 o'clock hour time they the players just overlooked that team they thought i believe that they thought you know we'll just kind of coast and chattanooga came to play give them credit you know jeff pecoral who's on the broadcast said if you're a football team and you come out flat you, you can't just flip the switch to to get back going so I think they just overlooked him. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, like you hear uh, you, you hear it on the basketball side a lot. John Calipari always says, you know, we're everybody's Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for Chattanooga, I think they looked at this game as their Super Bowl in Kentucky. You had, they had Chattanooga sandwiched between a really important game against Missouri and a really important game against South Carolina. So I think they were, you know, were still kind of coming off that high of mm-hmm. the Missouri game, looking ahead to South Carolina. You don't think much of, you know, FCS Chattanooga, and they came out, you know, thinking this was the biggest game of their season yeah yeah and uh, you know that coach for chattanooga pretty intense too yeah that was a little <laughs> bit rough over there he, he hey, lost his cool I, I, i'm all right there's one thing for a coach to yell and stuff i ain't got i don't have no problem with that as long as you're not inappropriate but when you start putting your hands on the players that's whenever you, you got to watch that man you know i was where seats are on the visitor side so you can see everything down there this the player uh, didn't catch a pass, and I watched him literally just pick the player up and put him back on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, not not a good look for him. I know everybody has different opinions on what you know what's tough coaching and all that. But I think that, it depends on generation. Look. Yeah, yeah, it's just and it's just not a good look now. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, like I say, you know, there, there's intense coaching, and I think I, I think there's value in that. But when you're when you're taking players and throwing them around and i i don't know i mean mark stoops is very intense yeah he is i mean i haven't seen i haven't really seen anything like that out of no, him no no uh but you know he he's intense and in i think the players the players respect that yeah he, he's been known to be a player's coach but but putting your hands on him and, and throwing them around and jerking them around too far yeah but uh, so now Kentucky's going to South Carolina this Saturday. Um, big game. Big game. Yeah, uh, South Carolina's not great. Um, they're you know two and one on the season. But I don't know, man. You get down, you get down into that stadium down there at night. This is gonna. This is another situation where they're looking at this as one of their biggest games of the season. And I hope Kentucky's not overlooking them this week. This could be a game that decides whether they're going to go to a bowl this year or not. They got destroyed, just annihilated by Georgia. Which I don't know who's not going to get annihilated by Georgia this year. To be honest with you, um, that stadium down there when it's rocking, I think is a top five, top five environment. And when they win, when they had Steve Spurrier, and when that program was running. I would argue maybe number one, at least number two in the conference whenever yeah. that thing was wrong. I mean, it's hard to beat Alabama, but when that you get Sandman going on down there, that place can rock. I mean, it's a really good environment. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be tough. And, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, Kentucky's not played a true road environment since 2019 with, you know, full capacity stadium and stuff, stuff like that. There's a lot of guys on this team that haven't had one of those. No. And that's I think it's going to be a wake-up call for them. I think it's going to be a wake-up call for – Will Levis, I think it's going to be a wake-up call for a lot of the Kentucky players going into a really tough environment. It's going to be a tough game. But, you know, uh, 
a couple of positives to take away from the uh, from the Chattanooga game. Uh, Kentucky now 500 overall all time again. How about that? Yeah, for the first time since 2012, 632, 632, and 44. 44 ties. <laughs> <laughs> you, we were talking about that number beforehand. That that's been going through my head. There were 44 ties. What? I still can't. I don't know why the NFL still allows ties. I don't know why any sport allows ties. No, no. It, 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 it's sports. You have to have a winner and a loser. I, just, I do not like ties. Uh, Kentucky has uh, 13 consecutive non-conference wins, the third longest active streak in the nation. So how about that? There we go. Good company. And a big one. UK has scored 28 points in each of the first three games for the first time since 07. A lot of people will look back fondly on that season. I think it's when we beat LSU when they yeah. were number one. Andre Woodson years. Uh, Andre Jacob Woodson. Jacob Tammy. Yep. Uh, Keenan Burton, that whole group. That was a great group. That was a great offensive group. And to have this group mentioned in that company, I think that's really saying something. My big concern, though, if the, the one thing that I did notice from the Chattanooga game, and it was there in the Missouri game, was the defense on those dink and dunk passes. We've got to fix that. We yeah. have to, and we got to get penetration. We, if you can't get any penetrations against Chattanooga, you're going to get beat badly in the SEC. Yeah, and I, I think I think kind of the defensive philosophy seems to be, well, you know, we're not going to allow the big plays, and I and you get I get that, yeah. but at the same time. It, your defense gets worn down just taking off little plays, little plays, little plays, and then eventually you have to come up and try to defend those, and that's when you're set up to get beat long. So I, I don't know. That is something I think defense is going to have to work on. Hopefully uh, hopefully that's something they're keying in on this week is trying to keep that keep those long drives from occurring. Yeah, and the, the offensive line for Kentucky Saturday was atrocious. The big blue wall was just not there. I mean, Chris Rodriguez had 13 carries for 46 yards. The team had 102 total yards. The team did. That was awful. Now, I don't think that that's going to be the narrative. Again, I think that was more of looking past the opponent because we've seen how good this O-line can be. Uh, We've seen it against Missouri, but they're going to have to come in prepared because South Carolina, that's one of their big things. they got a great D-line. I think uh, uh, two players on that D-line are NFL prospects. Yeah, they're going to – It's. They'll have to they'll have to win at the line of scrimmage on both sides, um, just like you were talking about just a minute ago. You know, being able to pressure the quarterback and uh, create uh, create some disruptions in the backfield. It's going to be a game that's won in the trenches. Just it seems like that's a common theme here in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a game won in the trenches, but I think it's really going to hold true this week. It's going to be a really tough game. That place, you know, it's going to be rocking. It's going to be loud down there. I was hoping it'd be a noon kickoff, but you know, we we can't get everything. It's going to be a night game down there, and it's going to be a true test because. We said this about the Missouri game, but I think it's true for uh, the South Carolina game. This can decide so much. You know, uh, don't you don't want to really look ahead, but uh, the week after the South Carolina game, we got Florida, who barely lost Alabama. I mean, they had a chance to beat Alabama. And uh, if Florida can win their game this Saturday, and if Kentucky can win their game, there could be – this could get a national attention. The Kentucky Florida game, maybe College Game Day. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're talking about Kentucky going into that game four and zero against a Florida team that'll uh, likely be three and one, it'll be a big game. It'll yeah. it'll get a good primetime television spot. Um, it'll determine a lot towards the SEC East. 
Uh, Kentucky's going into Saturday as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, only the seventh time that's happened since 2006 where they're going on the road as a favorite. I was going to say, I cannot remember too many times where Kentucky football is a favorite on the road in the SEC. I mean, that just goes to show where we were. I mean, Mark, again, we, we talked about Mark Stoops last week. I, it, I think it's just you can't say enough to what he's done to this program. Yeah, three of those have been against Vanderbilt, though. So <laughs> Vanderbilt. Uh, any, if there's any Vandy fans listening, you all played Georgia this weekend. Good luck. I feel sorry for you. Good luck. That defense, that Georgia defense is legit. Just get out of there and don't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think uh, Kentucky's the better. T- Kentucky's better than South Carolina, yes. in my opinion. Uh, but like we said, on the road in the SEC at night against a desperate team, anything can happen. Yeah, and the. Uh, and another positive thing about just that horrible Chattanooga game, better to lay an egg against Chattanooga than an SEC team. And yep. another thing with South Carolina, their quarterback, they've got bad quarterback issues. They had a graduate assistant that was playing. He got hurt. Uh, do you know anything more about their quarterback troubles? They've I, had a lot of injuries, unfortunately. I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see who comes out at quarterback on Saturday because at this point it doesn't seem like anybody really knows. But uh, – yeah, they started. They put a graduate assistant in at quarterback. That was kind of a weird situation. And then they brought in their original guy. So I guess he was less hurt than, than the graduate assistant. I mean, it's just kind of one of those weird things. But uh, I don't know, man. Uh, not games on the road. You never know what's going to happen. So hopefully, fingers crossed, come out with a win and uh, you're looking at a 4-0 start. Well, I'll tell you this. I have a feeling that Mark Stoops probably got their attention. I, I Knowing how Stoops is, I would say after that game, and looking at the tape, they probably he probably got his point across that they need to be focused for this weekend. Yeah, and like you said, hopefully we went ahead and got that clunker out of the way, and maybe that's uh, maybe maybe that we just had to get that one out of our system. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Moving on, uh, Louisville, Sean, uh, looks good. We we gave we gave Louisville a little bit of grief last week, but they responded, came out with a good win uh, on Friday night. Uh, Beating a UCF team that's pretty solid in a back and forth game, forty-two to thirty-five was the final on that exciting uh, game. Yeah, a, a pick six with thirteen seconds left to seal the deal. I, I watched a little bit of that. It was uh, it was really it was really an in- entertaining game to watch. It was back and forth. Uh, you know, each team coming up with big plays, but uh, Louisville came out on top in a game they needed to win. Had to win that game. They lost their first one against Ole Miss. Didn't look that good against Eastern, played really well. Uh, Malik Cunningham, he, he looked pretty good. He's still got some consistency consistency issues. He's just not uh, not being consistent enough. He, he, I tell you what, though, he can do some damage with his legs. He had 99 rushing yards. He can do a lot of damage with his feet. Yeah, I thought Cunningham was uh, played, you know, probably his best game of the season, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he looked solid, made solid throws, uh, was, good, was good running the ball. I think Louisville still got some issues with their running backs. Um, yeah. They never really could get a consistent ground game going outside of Cunningham. And I think they really need somebody in that backfield to step up and provide an, a different threat because uh, the defense will start keying in on Cunningham running the ball if they can't get anybody else. But uh, defense came up with big plays when needed. I thought, the, I thought for the most part, their, their defense came up pretty solid. And uh, so now – go into Florida State, going on the road to Florida State, and Louisville, a two-point favorite, going to Florida State this Saturday. Boy, Florida State, you talk about an absolute dumpster fire, Zach. They uh, 
So they won the national championship in 2013 and went to the playoff in 14, and they're 0-3. They lost to Notre Dame, lost to Jacksonville State, who is an FCS team, and then they got just annihilated by one Wake Forest last weekend. They're terrible. Yeah, Florida State, uh, only they and Arizona are the two Power 5 teams that have not won a game yet. Um, not good company for Florida State for a program that really has a has a, a prestigious history. Yeah, and you know uh, their legendary coach Bobby Bowden passed away right before the season started, uh, hoping that they would have a good season in honor of him. And it's just not clicking right now. I don't know what's going on with them. They looked pretty decent in that Notre Dame game, although Notre Dame may not be as good as we thought they were. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's more of an indictment of Notre Dame than mm-hmm. it is Florida State. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I'm expecting Louisville to go out and get a win on Saturday. Um, Louisville's defense is, I, I think, I think I might have underrated it uh, because just watching him Friday, yeah, UCF put up some points, but their defense really keyed it, uh, really got some key stops. And uh, Gus Malzahn, we know he's known for his offense. UCF had run uh, 85 and 86 plays in the first two games. Zach, they only ran 63 on Friday, which yeah. is huge. Yeah, so, well, Louisville was able to slow the game down, and they, they were able to use Cunningham on the ground to kind of control the clock, too. So uh, definitely kind of slowed down the UCF offense, um, you, know, made, you know, made it a little bit of a slower tempo game, which played more into their favor, um, I think. I think that was a that was I can't understand how big of a win that is for them. It was a very exciting game. You know, they had I think twenty people in the stands. Not a good look for the crowd. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with. Uh, I, I feel like there's. I, don't know, I feel like Louisville because Louisville's always had a pretty good football program. It just seems like their fans are kind of in a funk. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if a lot of it stemmed from the issues last, the week before, where they were having concession issues and issues with getting in. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that scared off some people from going, or I don't know what it is. But it 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 was a good win, but not a good, not a really good no. look for the stadium. Up and that, there. that's a really nice stadium. I've heard it's a really great place to yeah. watch football I, I don't know you know maybe maybe if the Louisville can get back on track get a win against Florida State maybe that kind of brings some of the fans back in uh, for the rest of the season we'll have to wait and see on that I don't know I think they should beat Florida State I think that UCF wins a big win because I didn't give them a chance of winning that game now that they have that I think there's a good chance Louisville can get to a bowl this year yeah and, say if you can if you win, well they got that win they're two and one you get a win if you get a win against Florida State on Saturday. You're three and one. You get three more wins the rest of the season. Get bowl eligible. I think it's. I think it's their possible. schedule is just. I mean, it's the it's ACC is the ACC. You know, for years, for the last few years, Clemson has really propped up the ACC. And Clemson and now is Clemson not very is, good. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of Clemson. And if so, if Clemson's not good, the ACC is not. I mean, North Carolina doesn't look nearly as good as they... Uh, Louisville doesn't even play them. Yeah, I think you, Louisville plays Clemson, but yeah. that's it. And then you look at, like, Virginia Tech. Um, I don't know what really what to make of Virginia Tech. They got they got trounced by West Virginia. I don't... The ACC, I don't know who's good in the ACC. <laughs> I don't think any of them are good. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, if somebody has a good ACC team, they can let me know. I, I haven't found one yet. Uh, and finally... Western Kentucky, off this past week, hosting Indiana. Indiana's coming in as a nine-point favorite, but I'm picking that as my upset of the week. Not so fast. Not so fast. <laughs> Not so fast, they say. I, I don't 
Indiana looked pretty good against Cincinnati. They ended up losing. I, I don't remember the score, the final score, but Indiana looked pretty good in the first half against Cincinnati. Western, though, their quarterback, uh, he's been lighting it up. Now, they lost to Army. Zappi. Still the best name in college (laughs) football. Is it at Indiana? At Western. Wow, at Western. So, uh, hey, if uh, Kentucky's on the road, what time does that game kick off? Uh, Is it a uh, noon game? So, 6 Central kickoff um, in Bowling Green. I, you know. Still tickets available as low as $23, according to Vivid Seats. So That's pretty good to go see. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that's going to be a pretty good game. You know, Indiana came in. Some folks were high on them. I'm not sure if they're as good as people thought they were. And Western, if that quarterback can uh, zip it around like he has been, I'm with you. I think Western can beat Indiana, and I'm going to say that they will beat Indiana. I like it. I like it. Zappy zipping it. <laughs> <laughs> I know Mayor. I know Mayor next year is a big Western fan. I'm sure he's going to be pulling for him against Indiana. And we don't really like Indiana here in Kentucky. No, I, I'm definitely. I'm definitely rooting for Western in that game. I looked at looking at Indiana's schedule. They're coming up: Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State the next three weeks. Oh. Another situation where they might be overlooking Western, looking mm-hmm. ahead to match up really some three. Really good uh, Big Ten matchup. So, Western might be able to sneak up on them and get a win. Yeah, that's a, that's another interesting thing. You, you talk about that schedule. Ohio State's not really looked that good. I've not been – no. The Big Ten is kind of like up in the air to me right now. Michigan is looking the best, and I gave up on them two years ago. I, I think right now, I think if you're picking favorites in the Big Ten, it's probably Michigan and Penn State. I think the best you know, I think the best team honestly in college football right now it's hard to not say Alabama but I would almost say Georgia. I think their defense is definitely the best. Yeah, I think Georgia's got the best defense in the country right now. It's not even close. Um and it, it's legit. It's a I, legitimate I want to see I want to see more out of Georgia's offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they look good against South Carolina, but again, you know, we talked about South Carolina. Uh, it's I'll, really going to look good this weekend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see more out of Georgia's offense. I want to see more out of JT Daniels because uh, I, I know what I have with Alabama, mm-hmm. and, I th- and I think Florida's probably a little bit better than we thought they were. Um, so I, I think right now if I'm pegging it, I'm having Alabama 1A and Georgia 1B. Yeah, I, I wish that they played in the regular season because that would be a fun game. Of course, we play Georgia. I'm not looking forward to it. I don't care to admit it. And it's at Georgia between the hedges. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that one either. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I do think that I've, some folks were a little uh, a little upset about the Chattanooga game. I think kind of circling back to Kentucky, I think it's important to note that, hey, we still won. Better to get that clunker out of the way now than whenever it really matters. Now, if we'd lost that game, that would have derailed the entire season. It oh, just would have. Oh, gosh, absolutely. You know, you're, it would have just caused so much damage. And, you know, the the one thing that you have to look at is the old Kentucky football probably would have just folded. This team, they kept fighting Will Levis in that first half. Didn't I mean, he didn't really have a good game. Uh, he, he was a little off in the first half. He he made some good plays when it counted. And then how about that interception return? We didn't mention that when we first were going over the game. That was huge. And, Saved uh, the game. Yeah. Jaquez Jones had a big uh, – he uh, smacked the ball down because Chattanooga had a touchdown, and he just kind of came in there and swatted it. 
So, you know, the defense did make plays when it counted, but they're going to have to step up against South Carolina. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna have to have more of those. You can't uh, put yourself in situations where you ha- we're in a do-or-die, have-to-make-a-play situation. Mm-hmm. You, you want to try to avoid those. Finally, a uh, quick, quick look at Lindsey Wilson football. They're going on the road to St. Andrews University in Lorenburg, North Carolina this weekend. Once again, ranked number one in the country this week. Uh, they were off last week, so, but still uh, held on to their number one ranking. So, uh, you know, good game for Lindsey Wilson coming up this week. Should uh, Hopefully should come out on top of that. I'm predicting Lindsey to uh, finish the season undefeated, and I'm going to go in and say that they're going to win another national championship. How about that? Hot takes here. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to wrap this segment up. Sean, we're running out of time. Uh, thank you again for joining me. Thank you, Zach. Good to be back on the program. Thanks again to Reagan and Bryce for joining the show this week. As we all know, middle school is such a crucial time for these kids, and Reagan and Bryce are two people who have a passion for the sports they coach, and they want to make a difference in the lives of the kids they coach. And I think that's awesome, and we're lucky to have them coaching in Russell County. And thanks again to Sean for joining me for our weekly college sports segment. I hope you all enjoy that as much as we do. Now it's time to reveal our Lakers Sports Talk Athlete of the Week. This one seems pretty obvious because it's not every day that we have a state champion, but Mackenzie Troutman put on an excellent performance in Owensboro to lead the Lady Lakers to the team championship, but individually, Troutman put on a performance to remember, shooting a score of 68, which was four under par, and a personal best for her, which also put her atop the leaderboard for both the boys and the girls. A performance like that is remarkable and absolutely deserving of our Lakers Sports Talk Athlete of the Week award. That's all for today. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Laker Sports Talk. If you have questions or comments for the show, shoot me an email at Zach, Z-A-C, at LakerCountry.com. And remember, we'd love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just search Laker Country, and if you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a review. Until next time, God bless, and go Lakers. Lakers.